Hey everybody, this is Petey from Spinner Rack, and today I'm going to talk about what if Chris Claremont stayed with the X-Men. And this would be going back to where his plot lines sort of landed before Jim Lee had gotten there. What if he was able to develop those plot lines before X-Men number one had happened? So there's, um, this is sort of what the team would look like. Since um, I guess you could say X-Men, was it um, 246? That's the start of where we actually, Rogue goes into Siege Perilous. And then what else happens after that? Rogue goes into Siege Perilous. We lose Storm in um, 248. So you see she's seemingly dead. Then the next issues play out um, um, Polaris comes back, but she is, of course, inept because she doesn't have malice in her anymore. Malice is weakened. With malice weakened, she gets kidnapped and her powers get stolen. And um, the X-Men, which aren't the ones that are here, it's Psylocke, Havoc, Colossus, and Dazzler, they are taken back where we get, well, we'll get to more of that stuff later because that leads to the other villains that aren't set up, right? So we have, um, we have um, Polaris who um, has the different sort of power. You can notice how she's taller than Rogue and muscular. So she was totally changed when Chris Clamont was working on her. You have Psylocke, who wasn't like this. She was normal with body armor, didn't have any skills. Um, who else? And Wolverine, who was in Madripoor going through a long subplot, which is taking him out of the action, right? So those are the X-Men that were kind of in play at that time. The X-Men are killed, or they, the X-Men go to Siege Perilous and we have, Hat, we have Banshee and Forge. They go out and they try to search for the X-Men. And at the same time, we'll get to Wolverine and Jubilee and Gambit, who will all come later, right? So since some of these characters like um, Psylocke and Rogue went to Siege Perilous, some of them could possibly go back, but up, even up until the mutant massacre, um, many X-Men have been, Chris Clemmer is trying to kind of move out some of the old, bring in something new, so the book will be constantly changing. When in comics, since these characters can't necessarily age, there's no real need. You can bring in sort of new blood, but the idea to sort of get rid of these X-Men kind of is a rough idea, but you know, that's why going back to X-Men number one, you have it and it's like 8 million, you know, it's like 8 million sales on that. So we get that done. Let's go to, we're just gonna quickly go over some of the plot lines that were going on during that time to sort of see where, where what was left to do. If we look at this point, the Reavers were the X-Men biggest threat at this point. Now here's some of them. This is them on the hunt for Wolverine. It's a little later, right? But if we click on this, we get to see all of the Reavers, which we have Bonebreaker, Skullbusker, Pretty Boy, Donald Pierce was from, used to be in the um, uh, 
Hellfire Club, Lady Deathstrike, Reese, Cole, Mackin from the you know, Hellfire Club also. Right? So with that said, these guys were obviously just a big mercenary period for the X-Men. So they were the guys that were ready. And of course, since Barry Windsor Smith made, you know, did Lady Deathstrike, she's a character that wasn't going anywhere. So at the same time, another dangling plot line would be the Nimrod program. And this is where Rogue, we lost Rogue. And um, at the end of the story where we lose Rogue to Sage Perilous, Nimrod is said there's going to be a whole new Nimrod program. So this is another big element that was going to be in Chris Claremont's storylines that was going to happen, right, that we missed out on. And then we have, of course, Zaladane. Now I bring up Zaladine because even though she was finished and Magneto became sort of the bad guy, I don't know that um, Chris Claremont really was planning on, on um, taking out Zaladine because he already had um, Malice with, um, with Polaris who had Magneto's powers and she basically was as bad as Magneto used to be. So Zaladine is sort of filling up that gap. So I know a lot of people say, hey, we have Magneto's made into a powerful character, but he had Malice and Zaladine who basically fill the void of what Magneto was. And the only sort of conceit of, of her is that she was a mutate of, um, or possible mutate of, of Magneto. So then we have these guys who are becoming you know, the dark sort of character. So to Chris Claremont, these guys were going to become heavyweights now. And you get to see they were kind of had these, they'd taken over the savage land, they'd taken out things, taking like all these cool things are happening with them. And we have even um, Brainchild is becoming even more powerful. And then we had this part, I'm not sure if there would have been a showdown because um, Malice never fought Magneto. But, um, you know, we ultimately might have saw that, but I don't think that it would end with um, Zaladane dying, right? But it was clear to say that she was the new power broker. Just, of course, to have some sort of thing for Magneto to struggle with, right? So once we got through that, we had to figure out who would have been the headmaster of the X-Men. Would it have been Mora? Would it have been Magneto? Obviously things went wrong, but. Chris Claremont wasn't really planning on making, um, I think, Magneto a total bad guy. Because you can see during this time, I think, who is it? Um, ben, Bob Harris and Louise Simonson, they did, they made, had Magneto go bad in, uh, what was it, in the New Mutants. And then I think Byrne did a couple stories, one with Ralph Macchio, who, um, Macchio, who, um, actually had showed Magneto was bad during his headmaster stage. And then Byrne also did a soft one where he was hanging with the bad guys. He wasn't necessarily bad. Byrne didn't necessarily use all of his powers to make him into a bad guy, even um, who is it, um, Scarlet Witch notices. But the headmastership would have been between these two. And that leads us to our next story, which would have been dealing with what happened with Mora. Mora went from being this, you know, you know, like strong woman to this kind of, you know, risque starts becoming more um, goth and all this crazy outfit. So something is changing in her. 
And that's leading to the big Shadow King story. Now the Shadow King story kind of started, I think when they, I think it's in the 250s where you start seeing Storm again. So this hints that there's a backstory with, um, with, um, with the Shadow King with Magneto, but he has his helmet on. The Shadow King is here, of course, and he's connected to, um, who is it? Legion. So all this stuff was kind of cut short. And then all these characters that have just turned into these dark characters. So this is some of the stuff we would see play out a lot longer because in these characters that barely had any screen time on, in, the, in the final story with um, that. And then we also have Mask. Now Mask is also part of the exit of um, Colossus with Colossus would have probably um, exited the X-Men for good. So that's the other thing to remember that there was no plans, no plans for Chris Climb outside to bring the the original X-Men back. His plan, his thing was that um, you know, outside of maybe the Beast and um Jean Grey, he probably would have liked to use them. But the other three, especially since the plot line, if he had got Cyclops back, he would have broken up Gene and Cyclops forever, like he did in um in um What's in the X-Men Forever. But these are sort of the bad guys who play. And then of course, um, Young Storm. Now this, how they changed her back in the regular series is kind of not how, because Chris Claremont has kind of played with the age that when Magneto was changed back to adult, he's in his thirties, Xavier, he gets a new body. And of course, to keep Storm kind of young and with the group while he replaces the new X-Men, we have Storm as a young character. And there would be no plan since at the end of the story, this is the, the, the this is a three-parter with the with young Storm being in Cairo. Basically, one of the aspects of Chris Claremont's stories is, hey, let me not just have a backstory, let me utilize the, that backstory in the present day. Right. So we had all this and she wasn't changed back to, you know, regular age storm. And he had some subplots he was going to do with that. So I think that's it for that. So you have some major things. Let's stop this. Let's go back to our what if page, which would be this cool mock up here I did which would be the end we would have Gambit since Gambit say, say Jim Lee worked on it, but it wasn't as, as big as far as the plotting. We keep Gambit in there. We have a young storm. We have Banshee, we have Forge, the two guys who was on the search for the X-Men. Um, we have um, Psylocke who's changed. Hey, that would, that would have stuck. That was a, a major plot for um, Chris Claremont, Wolverine, who would be the guy who was um, tortured by the, oh, that would be the enemy estate storyline where the Wolverine would be after the torture, his body would repel the, the, the adamantium, but at the same time, it would go back to a plot line he wanted to do for years, which would be Wolverine with organic um, adamantium claws. We'd have the superpower um, um, Polaris who has the 
empath empathic strength, we have Jubilee, Young Storm, and we have to figure out who the headmaster is, which would be the Mora or Magneto. Xavier, who's in the back here, I'm not sure he would have made it out of this storyline, but that's your overview of what if Chris Claremont stayed on the X-Men. Thank you. Bye.